Hey, before we go all in on wind, um, I do want to remind you a little bit of what we talked about last week. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's not just a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. When we talk about the kingdom of God, I hear a lot of people say, um, man, I, just, I, just wanna, I, I want something really, really deep. I want something uh, really theological. What, what does that mean? Honest, I, that's, that's my first question I ask you. What, what does that mean when you say you want something really deep or really theological? Most of the time, 95% of the time, that means I just want uh, some teaching or some knowledge that's going to make me sound smarter than my friends when I meet them for lunch after church. Right? Give me a really good Greek word or a really good Hebrew word that I can drop at lunch and be like, bet you didn't know you didn't know this one. Right? Ruach is the Holy Spirit when it's translated to wind, right? But there is, there is something deeper than just our words. And I love how Paul says in Romans 5, verse 5, I'm, I'm going to make a connection here for us to understand. He says in this, Hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a translator. In other words, Scripture, it says the Holy Spirit serves to remind us of the things that God has done. The Holy Spirit is a translator that takes this, this what we know of God, and turns it into love, into our spirit, to be lived out within our daily lives. In other words, this is the knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit is the experience of God. Go with me for a moment. I know God loves me. I know God loves me. How do I know God loves me? Because this tells me God loves me. The Word tells me God loves me. That's how I know that God loves me, right? But every single day when God meets me with grace, when He meets me with favor, when he, that's how I know I feel feel that he loves me. I experience his love in the form of you being gracious and kind and loving in the form of a stranger, in the form of somebody welcoming me and greeting me and showing me that they really care about me. So I know God loves me from the word. I experience that love by the Spirit. Paul says it is the Spirit that takes what we know and translates it into our heart. I know God forgives me. Why? The Word tells me that God forgives me. But how do I experience that forgiveness when someone who doesn't owe me forgiveness gives me forgiveness? Or when someone that I shouldn't forgive, I am able to forgive by the power of the Spirit of God that is working in me. I know God has plans for my future. Why? I've read it in Scripture. I know that He has it. But how do I experience that through somebody who gives me an encouraging word through a vision that God gives me or through a dream or through some sort of confirmation by the Spirit. I know I am God's child. I know I'm God's child because the Word tells me I'm God's child. But how do I experience being God's child when I'm captured during a worship set and I just sense the, the peace and identity that I have in knowing that God is with me, that His presence is with me. You, you catching this, that we know what we know about God from the Word. We experience God through his spirit. I'll give you an example. 
right next to an orange grove a little over 10 years ago in Phoenix, Arizona. I watched the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life walk down the aisle to me, and there I stood in a dashingly handsome white suit <laughs> waiting for her, and she came and stood in front of me, and we exchanged vows and promises together on that day. Now, I knew in that moment of holding in his hands and hearing her recite her vows and her commitments and her promises to me, I knew she loved me. I knew she was committed to in sickness and in health and till death do his part and everything else. But I experienced that in the everyday moments of our relationship. When I preach on a Sunday and feel like I did a terrible job and I'm discouraged and I'm upset and I'm frustrated with myself and I get home and I met with grace and with love and with encouragement and with someone who loves me deeper than the messages that I may preach. I know she meant sickness and in health 10 years ago when I was laid up in a bed for four days with COVID and couldn't move and she was bringing soup and she was bringing medications and vitamin C and D and G and E and all these other concoctions that she had to heal me up right and I I know I I know what she meant when she said it but I experience it every day by the way she treats me we have to understand this with the spirit we know who God is we know what he's promised we know what he wants to do we experience it by the spirit it is the Spirit that translates this into your heart and out of you by way of action. So in this season, we're talking about the most common metaphors of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Last week, we talked about the dove. Dove is representative of God's power becoming personal. This week, we're talking about wind. Wind is the Spirit. Let me give you the Hebrew word. It's ruach. I'm going to sound really smart. You had that at the end. You ruach all over everybody, right? <laughs> There's 108 times in the Old Testament it's translated as spirit. 92 times it's translated wind. And 27 times it's translated breath. The Greek equivalent is pneuma. That is, it combines all three to most commonly be translated as the Holy Spirit. Now here is what the wind represents. The wind of the metaphor of the Spirit of God. When God's wind comes, God's power brings life. What is wind? God's power brings life. What was the dove? God's power becomes personal. It descended, landed upon you, filled you, and is personally here. What was once hovering and distant has now become personal and interactive with you. What does the wind represent? That God's power brings life. Man, can we be excited about a little life in this place? His Spirit brings life. Let's walk through them. I'll give you a history really quick. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering. That word can also be translated blowing. The Spirit of God was blowing over the surface of the waters. Genesis 8:1. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him on the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth 
and the waters receded. When the wind of God comes, life happens. When Moses was fleeing the Egyptians along with the children of Israel, Exodus 14, 21, says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. He preserved their life. The waters were divided. When Moses wrote the song to thank God for the wind, he, he, he wrote this, But you blew your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. The Jewish testimony, when you brought up wind, you brought up life. When you mentioned wind, when you felt the wind, when you were outside and a gust of wind came, you instantly thought in your mind, life. Wind happens, life happens. Psalm 104.30 says, when you give them your breath, life is created. And you renew the face of the earth. When the Philistines were in hot pursuit of David and David was running for his life, the Lord answers him in 1 Chronicles 14, 15. I love the message summary of this. He says, and then the Philistines were back at it again, plundering in the valley. David, David again prayed to God. God answered, this time don't attack head on. Circle around and come at them at, out of the balsam groves. Out of the balsam grove. When you hear a sound like shuffling feet in the top of the balsams, attack. That other translations say, when you hear the wrestling of the wind in the trees, attack. God will be two steps ahead of you, slaughtering the Philistines. I love this one. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. Uh, guys, I don't know if I gave you all of this one or just half of it, but if you brought your Bibles, extra credit. Here, li listen to how the Spirit of God brings life. Trust me, if you'll walk with me through all these, I'll bring it all together at the end. It says, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. Verse 2, he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. This is really important to understand. There are two words for breath. There, there's a couple of them, but the two most common are, number one, ruach, the breath of God, the life of God. If you go to Genesis 2, verse 7, you'll see that God put living breath, he put a breath into Adam so that Adam could breathe. That is not a divine breath, right? So what does that mean? That means you can have breath and still not have life means you can be breathing and be dead inside. What is John 3? I think it's 37. So though they are alive, they remain dead. Because it is the Spirit of God that brings life to your soul. Living, breathing, spirit, life. The love of God that causes you to come alive. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7 
So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then, isn't this like a, can you imagine this scene? This is crazy. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath. Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breath into these dead bodies so that they may live again. Verse 10, so I spoke the message as he commanded and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. The wind of God, the breath of God brings life. Andy already read John 3, 1 through 8. I'll just read from 6 through 8. He says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It is the wind of God that brings life. John 20, 21 through 22 says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. What do we see? From Genesis to Acts and onward, what do we see? We see that when the wind of God blows, life comes in. We see that when wind blows, we experience life. God's power gives life. My, my son got this for uh, Christmas, right? Uh, we have one left. Right? We had five, but, you know, it's, it's six. Um, and, and here was what was cool about this. This no longer made me the target for Nerf guns, okay? So there was a time where I was the target. I don't know if it's going to work. But then you, you flip this switch, and see how that happens? This ball stays on top, and it's a target. He runs around the house. He's shooting them everywhere. It was really, really cool. And uh, so he got this, and he was really excited about it. And then his brother, uh, who's 13 months, give him, give him a little slack here, he thought it was really cool, and he was watching as the ball was hovering, and he was just sitting there staring at it, and then it was off one time, and all of a sudden I heard him throwing this fit. He was, he was walking around the house, and he was going like this. And, he, and then he go like this. 
<laughs> he starts throwing his little fit, and he you know it up again. And, and then what do babies do? Like when they throw up, they lay down. <laughs> like he just he just goes flat. He starts crying, and then he's he's holding his, and he can't figure out why this thing won't stand. Because this alone is stagnant until the wind hits it and it comes to life again. You have to wrap your mind around. You can have breath in your lungs and no life in your soul. But when the wind of God hits you, you come alive. You come alive. There is movement in your spirit. There is hope in your spirit. There is grace in your spirit. And when you receive that life, you are to release that life. That is the whole game we play with the Holy Spirit is we know what God says, He translates it to our heart, and then we receive it and we release that life. So I want to give you three ways that we receive the wind of God and we release the wind of God. You ready? Four people are ready. Praise God. I'm ready for you four. Here we go. Number one, God's power brings life by words of the Spirit. God's power brings life by words of the Spirit. What is the second most common translated metaphor for ruach, which is wind? Breath. That there is breath. When the wind of God, the breath of God, the Word of God comes forth, life happens. I love 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.21, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. The Greek word for as they were carried along is a metaphor for when a sailor catches wind. So what is he saying? Let's read it again. He says, so though humans spoke from God as they caught the wind carried by the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? I wish all of you would speak and prophesy. I wish you would speak words of God. You can speak a blessing. You can speak an encouragement. You can speak a prophecy, which is just a word from God to a group of people. You can speak words from the Spirit that bring Life. I'll share with you an example. I heard a pastor uh, that I love share this story of another pastor who was headed on a speaking engagement in a, another country, and he decided to invite this guy in his church who was, who was kind of new to the things of God, and he, he invited me. He said, come on with me. I'm going on this mission trip. So they headed out, and this was a Greek guy. So the, the guy, they, they head out. The pastor gets there. And the first thing they go to is a prayer meeting. And, and this Greek guy, this is his first experience overseas, and they're in this prayer meeting, and everyone's praying and asking for the Spirit of God to move. And he said he was standing in the prayer meeting, and this Greek word dropped into his spirit. It's the Greek word skadula. <laughs> Some of you know Greek, obviously, by your chuckles. For those of you that don't, the Greek word skadula is a slang word for a word that we have in English that starts with an S and ends with a T. And that's as far as I can share with you. You want to know how it's properly pronounced? Ask Anna. She's, she says it all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shirt with the R silent, okay? 
So he's in this prayer meeting, and the word skadula drops in his heart. And he's like, no, 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 no. I must have had a bad pita or something. Like something, this is not right. And yet it intensified over and over and over. And the word skadula just kept rising up in his spirit as he's praying. And he's like, these people are going to think I'm nuts. My pastor's going to leave me in this country. Like, I, what is that? And then to go a step further, the pastor and his wife walked into the prayer meeting. And right then the spirit of God said, that word is for the pastor's wife. What? Oh no, if it wasn't bad enough, now he's got skadula, this word skadula, in his heart. And the Spirit of God is saying, speak this word to the pastor's wife. Can you imagine? I would be like, no, 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 no. Voices go, voices go. No, and he said it was just so intense, but he had to do it. He couldn't avoid it. So he walked up to the pastor's wife and he said, um... I think I have a word from God for you. (laughs) And that word, he said, I think God wants you to know that you're not a skadula. And he said, immediately she started weeping. He said, immediately she started weeping. What this man didn't know is that prior to the marriage that she was in, she was previously married in Athens, Greece, to a horribly abusive man. And this man, the entire course of her marriage, never called her by her first name. You know what his nickname for her was? My little skadula. And he said he would, when, when he had friends over, he would say to her, Hey, my little skadula, get me some drinks. Hey, my little skadula. He would introduce her in public as my little skadula. Hey, oh yeah, and this is, this is my little skadula. It was completely dehumanizing completely stripped her of all of her identity and nicknamed her only as my little skadula. And though she had been redeemed from that situation and was living in a whole new situation, she was still living under the lingering pain, the lingering hurt, the lingering lie that all she was was his little skadula. Can you imagine what happened? Can you imagine what happened when this man who was only listening to the Spirit of God and walked up and said, I just think God wants you to know you're not a skadula. It broke every ounce of oppression, every hold that was burying her spirit into this place of embarrassment. And then the Holy Spirit was able to do his work. When the wind of God comes, it brings life. And one of the ways it brings life is words of the Spirit. Listen to Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul and abuse language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 1 Corinthians 2.4. I love what Paul says. He says, And my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive words, I relied only on the power of the Spirit. He said, I wanted to just say what the Spirit says. I want to speak what the Spirit speaks into this. I want the words out of my mouth to be life. I want them to be, I I tell you this all the time, if it's good, if it blesses, if it's encouraging, if it's from the Lord, say it immediately. 
Just say it. What are you waiting for? It's of the Lord. Speak it. Say it. Declare. If it's not, wait at least 24 hours. If it's not, wait at least 24 hours. Let the Lord work on you. A better way to even say it may be this. What would the Spirit say in this moment? What would the Holy Spirit speak? We already saw Romans 5.5. What does he speak? The love of God to our hearts. He takes what God has promised and he speaks it to our soul. There are words of the Spirit that bring life. Number two, there's a witness of the Spirit. God's power brings life. How? A witness of the Spirit. Both to me, when I witness and I experience the Spirit of God, and my life is changed, and when I share that Spirit, when I share that life by witness to other people. What was, John do, what was Jesus doing in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus? When he said the Spirit blows wherever it blows, but the wind of God, when the Spirit of God shows up, you are born again. Was it, he was witnessing. He was witnessing to Nicodemus. What does John 15, 26 through 27 say? But I will send you the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Okay, so we receive the Spirit that brings life. Now what do we do with it? And you must also testify. You are not saved to sit. You are saved to be sent as one who is carrying the Spirit of God and bringing life, bringing the witness of life everywhere that you go. He says, and you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the Spirit, and the Spirit will testify to life, but don't let that life just sit in you. Let that life be released from you. Let the wind of God that brings life touch your soul and go out from you and witness to others. Before, um, <laughs> this is a funny story, before Christmas Eve, uh, I needed a haircut. And I reached out to my, my barber, and she was busy, uh, so I had to find someone, and I searched an app, and I Googled, and I found this guy, and I, I went, and I saw him. And I'll just tell you, uh, this is not a, th this was not the stereotypical place you would, you would assume to run into a pastor, right? Um, it was just a unique environment. And I'll tell you, my first conversation, I sat down in the chair, and the guy, the guy across from me, he says to me, how many baby mamas you got? No lie. No lie. <laughs> he said, how many baby mamas you got? I said, uh, one. And he said, I bet you're married to her too, aren't you? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> and he said, I got four. <laughs> and I said to him, dang, bro, would your Netflix subscription expire or what? Like, you got too much time on your hands. And he started laughing. I started laughing. The whole place just erupted in laughter. And we had a good time from there on out. And we were sitting there, and the guy cuts great hair. He's a phenomenal barber. So he finishes cutting my hair, and I finished talking to that guy. And uh, I head out, and I was like, wow, man, that was great. But uh, that was also pretty, pretty wild. I heard some, heard some language I'd never heard before on the music and everything else, and I've heard a lot, right? And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you need to go back there. You need to go back there. I said, okay, Lord. So I booked another appointment. I didn't really need a haircut, but I went back in there, 
and I sat with him, and the second time around, we start talking, and he's telling me about him. He's a family man. He loves his family. He had Christmas shopping to do, and he had to take care of other family members, and he was talking about people who came into the shop and how he was there just to help them during a tough time, and he starts sharing to me all of these things, and I'm just, I'm encouraging him, and, and he knew I was a pastor from the first time, so this was really funny. Second time, he had, he had a code ready, and it was a bottle of Febreze, and there was another group of guys over here, and they were, they were talking shop, and it got a little wild, and so he starts spraying Febreze on the floor, and I watched him, I mean, he's just spraying Febreze everywhere as he's cutting my hair, and another guy looks at me, shh, Clean it up, clean it up, clean. It was like code for hey, clean, clean it up around here, right? There's around this chair, there is somebody who is a pastor. I was cracking up, man. I loved it. And so I thought, man, and the spirit of God said, just keep going back. So as, as you can tell, man, I got cleaned up good. I went back last week. I brought him a bunch of merch from the church, and I was like, hey, here's socks, here's a shirt. Love you, man. You do a great job. Come to church. I, I don't even know if he's here, maybe here, there, or not. But I, I, we've just began to form a relationship. And here's what God spoke to my heart We cannot witness to a culture we are at war with. You cannot witness to a culture that you are at war with. I had a choice after my first appointment. I could be a stuck up, nose in the air, I'm better than this jerk, really. Or I could listen to the Spirit of God and begin to form a witness in a place that I now love. In a place that now loves me. They spray Febreze when I show up, right? Like we have, we have this connection now that God is working out. The only way that the only way life will enter into a place where life needs to enter into is if you're not at war with it, but you're willing to witness to it got to be the Spirit of God. You've got to be the Spirit of God. And quit getting offended. And quit getting upset. And quit letting everything set you off all the time. And lay aside those things and be the Spirit that gives life. Man, I said Spirit violently, didn't I? I mean it. When you're the Spirit, you bring life where you go. When the wind of God is coming out of you, you can walk into any circumstance and let life come out of your mouth. Let it come out of your witness. And then we'll finish here. Let it come out of your work. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Verse 4, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this Ability. I know some of you are like, oh, tongues of fire, right? Wait till week four. I don't know why you're so fired up about the fire. Everyone wants the fire right away. Let's wait till week four. What did we see? That first, in John chapter 20, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the wind rustles, it fills the room, and the Spirit of God falls. What happens after that? Jews were looking at Gentiles, and they were saying, I'm hearing you speak my language. 
I don't understand it. And thousands of people began to gather by this move of the Spirit. And here was the result, Acts 2.41. Peter gets up, he preaches the gospel, and it says those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Okay, so track with me now. Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus. Jesus, at the end of his life, says, the Spirit of God, I promise you, will descend upon you and you will do even greater works. Jesus is crucified, he dies, he raises it up again, appears to 515, goes to be with the Father. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit descends on a people and a move of God happens. As the Spirit descended on Jesus as a dove, the Spirit descended on the church. Our power is the Holy Spirit. What are we? We are a move of the Holy Spirit that brings life. We bring life. Look at what they started doing. Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, all the believers then, this is when the Spirit of God landed upon them. They were filled with the Spirit. They reached other people who were filled with the Spirit. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, sharing in meals and to prayer. What do we see right out of the gate? That they're devoted to teaching, they're devoted to fellowship, they're sharing meals together, they're taking the Lord's Supper, and they're praying. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What happened right there? You know what Acts 2, 42 through 47 looks like? Looks a lot like the life of Jesus. Looks a lot like what Jesus did. What happened when the Spirit descended upon Jesus? He taught, he called disciples, he did miracles, and he shared the table. He met with people at the table. He shared meals. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He taught. He was devoted to teaching. He performed miracles. He called disciples, and he shared meals. What did they do? Now, what does the work of the Spirit do? Follow this. Acts 4, verse 4. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men and women who believed now totaled 5,000. They reached 3,000 in one day. Now they're at 5,000. Acts 5, 13 through 14. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. Acts 6, verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to what is the book of Acts? It is a testimony of the Spirit of God after Jesus has risen from the dead. It's just over and over and over. Acts 9:31. The church then had peace throughout Judah, Galilee, Samaria, and it became stronger as they believed, as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, what happened? Life. It grew in numbers. Acts 9.42, the news spread throughout the whole town, and many 
believed in the Lord. Acts eleven twenty four. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Acts 14, 5. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every single day. Question. How does the church grow larger every single day when we only meet on Sunday? How does the church grow larger every day as it did through the book of Acts if we only meet on Sunday? Because you are carrying the spirit of life and you go out there on Monday. And you go out there on Tuesday. And you go out there on Wednesday. And you go out there on Thursday. And on Friday, you're sharing what God has done with you. And on Saturday, you're sharing what God is doing in you. And on Sunday, you're bringing somebody with you. And all of a sudden, as a body, people are being reached every day by the work of the Spirit, by the wind that brings life. It brings life. What do we do with that? We become the wind. We go out and we reach and we bring life wherever we go. In New Zealand, I'll, I'll finish with this. There was a study done on what they, it was called the flightless birds of New Zealand. They found a large number of bird species in New Zealand couldn't fly, but they could fly in other parts of the country where the same species uh, lived. So they conducted this two-year study on these birds, and here's what they found. They found 47% of the birds in New Zealand couldn't fly in New Zealand, but could fly in other parts of the world. And here was their reasoning. It wasn't due to their climate, it wasn't due to their culture, and it wasn't due to the place of origin. They discovered that New Zealand had no predators. No snakes, no bobcats, nothing that was attacking the birds. So one of they, they came to the conclusion there was no predators. They never learned to fly. And one of, the sci one of the researchers commented this at the end of the study. I thought it was fascinating. He said they actually could fly if they had a reason to trust the wind. He said they actually could take off. They actually could. They had everything that they needed to soar if they just found a reason to trust the wind. You have everything that you need. You have everything that you need for life and life abundantly to bust out of your soul, to be fully satisfied in the life you have in Christ. You just have to trust the wind, the Spirit of God.